Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with Extended Clip. Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 97. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And calling in all the way from beautiful London, Ontario, is a returning champion, friend of the podcast, uh, the the host of the Sleezoids podcast, and online bully, uh, Josh <laughs> Lewis. Hey guys, how's it going? How are we doing in here? I like being in the room with you guys. You guys smell nice. Oh, oh yeah, no. I, I have to say today there is definitely a distinct odor. <laughs> all, all three of us have had a long day. Yeah, no, I you know I was a little flustered coming over here, you know, a little flat tire scare, you know, amongst other thi- amongst other things too. Not to get into that, but I was yeah. So I just I have a lot of smells going on right now that are related to. I don't know, anxiety and fear and shit like that. Yeah, I know Josh is doing a bit, but like it hit so hard that I was like, oh my God, did Discord just like invent smell o vision on I got very embarrassed about the stench of the boys. Now I just smell like coffee after a long day of work. <laughs> and that's what we're here to talk about, though. Getting together with your boys. You know, that that's what this movie is all about. We're talking about a new release. And this is, you know, in the face of evil, you have to band together with other outsiders who are just looking out for the greater good. Uh, You know, you have your your Christ-like figure at the core of it, Zack Snyder. Mm -hmm. And he reached out to people like, you know, you have HBO Max. (laughs) (laughs) You have executive producer Christopher Nolan. You have producer and wife Deborah Snyder. Gillette. The Gillette brand. We got to give the Gillette brand some love. You got to (laughs) give the Gillette brand some love. And you got to give the 1.33 to 1 aspect ratio to lo- some love. So when you bring all of these things together, uh, you create a team uh, that fights for, uh, against the evil that is contemporary blockbuster filmmaking for, for that of a cinema of the auteurs. You're, you remember that essay, uh, The Politics of the Auteurs by Francois Truffaut? You know, maybe you don't remember it. <laughs> ever heard of this it was going against this you know this authorless you know uh uncle cinema that you know the popular cinema of france had become. cinema du uncle yeah cinema du papa <laughs> and i'd you watch know, some cinema du uncle to be honest not cinema du papa but yeah some exactly un- some yeah. uncle ass movies see, see, snyder movies. snyder is your cool uncle you know gives you a beer when you're 14 tells you don't tell your mom <laughs> Also, it shows you how to lift weights uh, and how to talk to girls. And, you know, he he, he brings it home for us. Eddie, I, I didn't read that uh, article on Ocho Theory, but I did read uh, movie Bob Chipman's Marvel Cinematic Universe's Killing <laughs> Ocho Theory. And that's good. <laughs> my favorite piece on the theory. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, what, what a great piece and kind of the antithesis of what this movie is getting at. Even despite the uh, collective nature of getting the gang together, uh, it's also about individual excellence. Uh, (laughs) Because only these individuals could operate on that level. And Zack Snyder is one of those individuals. We're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. 
on today's extended clip. That's right. Malcolm, you, you look like you're chomping at the bit. What do you, what, you got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking, yeah, I'm steaming up, man. I want to fucking talk. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, going, coming into this, I feel like, you know, a lot of Zack Snyder talk recently, right? And I'm kind of begin, getting fatigued of it all, always around pro, anti, I'm just like, you know, I'm liking the sentiment here, you know. But so going in, I was just a little, I'm like, what? I, I have no idea what to expect. And, you know, I was thinking maybe is this like, is this his heaven's gate? You know what I mean? Is this like Snyder kind of grand, epic, sweeping vision of uh, America? And it's like, not quite, not quite that, but it's kind of getting there. And it's like, oh, is it, there's like some sort of like meta aspect? Like is, is Zack Snyder Superman and he revives himself within the making of this movie? You know, I don't know, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know. But it's I, you know, that's I pretty I've, I've pretty much kind of confused and jumbled feelings about this movie overall. Yeah. I would I would have to say, I'm kind of a little flustered with it. I, I like I like a lot of parts of it, but there's also a good amount that I could do without. I mean, I remember we were talking. I think when we were about to like review uh, Sucker Punch, and we were like, "Well, the Snyder cut, it has to he has to be bringing the goods. Like this is the one." And I was going in with that sort of mindset, and I, I, I feel like I probably liked it a little bit more than you, but still, it's like, I don't know, I long for things like Sucker Punch and Watchmen that feel more formally bombastic, and like, I, I don't know, he, he has a little bit of more room to play there that his DC stuff, I think, is restrained, but still a good time. Still a big win. Yeah, you know what? I think that's, you know, regardless of my feelings about the movie, I think, yeah, I'm just happy Zack Snyder got this win. Exactly. He picked up the W in, like, the the grand scheme of things, even if you don't watch the movie. That was my sentiment going in. When I even heard about this, I hadn't seen a Zack Snyder movie, and I was like, oh, this is a win for authorship in cinema no matter what. Uh, Josh, what, what was your initial reaction to this? And, you know, you... You you're a more of a Snyder head going into this than us, right? Definitely. I mean, I I kind of started out weirdly enough as like a bit of like a Snyder skeptic, like way back in the early internet days. Well, early internet for me anyway, not early internet in general. I'm not that old, but like I was in, in around the time Man of Steel came out. I was definitely like, man, I don't I don't really know about this Zack Snyder guy. He seems dumb. Um, and I, you know, you, you get into the posting about it where you're just like, you know, you're better than the, the movie that you just watched. And, but quickly that just became very, very corny, uh, that, you know, you were just trying to stay all day online, triggering these dudes that have cared about tourism for the first time in their <laughs> lives. So yeah, I, I came around to Snyder around Batman versus Superman, which is like one of the craziest, still one of the craziest experiences I've ever had. Cause I went into that movie thinking this is going to suck. I'm not I'm not going to like this at all. And I was lucky enough to go to one of the uh, screenings in Toronto. They did an advanced screening where they did it on a brand new laser IMAX projector on a screen that was designed for Academy Ratio blow up. So the the sequences in Batman v Superman where it <laughs> blew up looks like <laughs> what the uh, like what this Justice League actually looked like. So when everyone was shocked when he wanted to do Academy Ratio, I was not surprised at all. Like the 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 IMAX stuff that he shot for that movie looked like pretty damn incredible. And also that movie is just 
a very uh, weird one. Malcolm, I'm pretty sure that's the Snyder one that you've latched onto the most, right? No, yeah. I think uh, at the time when that came out, I think I was also, I think I probably saw Man of Steel in theaters and, you know, I was pretty disengaged from all kind of like blockbuster cinema at that point. And so, yeah, when I watched it, it kind of surprised me because it did, it did kind of have like, I don't know, like with these big movies, like there's kind of like this kind of like they feel too big in a sense, like they're overwhelming and like not distinct enough and they'll just kind of like wash over me and I'd get like just bored or disengaged and like there's a I feel like there's a little bit with that with Snyder's work but it's it's also just I don't know it was something completely different I mean something like Eisenberg as you know Lex Luthor or whatever I don't know it just uh it tickled my fancy it uh (laughs) it got me going and you know what I never really followed that Snyder auteurism trail after seeing that unfortunately but yeah I've been a I've been a fan of BVS yeah and BVS is one I wanted to talk about a little bit because I you know uh we we watched Sucker Punch and talked about it on the Patreon but BVS is one that really took me aback because it feels almost like two movies split at the third at at the third act pretty much where it's like it's this extremely dark and brooding and stylistically audacious thing that is basically telling you that the last eight to ten years of franchise filmmaking has been incredibly like evil basically (laughs) like we need to think about these things a little Mm -hmm. bit more in terms of humanity (laughs) and uh and then it turns back into one of those movies for the last 40 minutes or so which i really didn't like Mm -hmm. uh but over the last even over the last week or two since i've watched it i like the first two hours are really what stick with me. So I've, you know, I, I've come out positive in the BVS camp, no matter Yeah, well, what. I mean, the thing that obviously Snyder uh, goes by, and, you know, if you, if you you know, go through any of his older stuff as well, and you, you know, read anything, interviews that he does, uh, he, he really loves, like, Arthurian myth stuff. He's he's touted, and, mm-hmm. and when he, if he ever gets to make it, it will probably be his best movie. Uh, the Excalibur movie that he keeps wanting to make. He wants to make like an Excalibur mm. or a Conan movie. And that's basically his vision that when he was handed superhero movies and they were like, these are the biggest movies, you know, if you want to work in this in- industry and do comics. And also he's drawn to comics because he himself is just a, a, a hand-drawn artist. You know, he, he hand-draws uh, every single frame. And uh, he loves to, if you look up anything about him, he'll, he'll just like bring out like a giant book. He keeps all of his storyboard books and he'll just show you frames from them he's like yeah look at this drawing that i did look at this drawing that i did so a combination of like you know a a comic artist in his own right almost and then an obsession with myth something that the fans of you know these movies always say about them even though you know he's the only you know filmmaker who seems to on a visual level at least agree with them and bases his images on that idea um but you know he thinks that superheroes actions are 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 big uh both in terms of the punches that they throw and the decisions that they make and that those things should carry you know consequences that you would find in a you know a real world setting whether that means you know superman is literally the plane in a 9-11 image or uh you know that batman is so filled with rage and confusion about that that he literally turns into dick cheney and just goes on like a sadistic bloodthirsty revenge mission against the character the very light-hearted character in the comics who has always been coded in part as sort of you know like a story of american american immigration or assimilation and the thing about all this stuff is that you know i'm saying it now but snyder really doesn't you know think too hard about it or investigate it beyond kind of like a dumb Mm -hmm. guy's sense of cool but 
when it comes to crafting you know something that feels consequential on the screen he is 100% more successful than most of his counterparts make trying to make these same kinds of movies whether they're thought through or not i remember watching infinity war when i went to watch that in the theater and it was the last time i think i saw a marvel movie in theaters because i just left it just com- so completely defeated uh, when they were like, this is the one that matters. This is the one with the consequences. And then they killed off all of the characters who had trailers that you watched for movies coming out in six months. And I remember leaving that movie <laughs> feeling like I had watched three hours of a second act like exposition scene where they didn't do anything. And it was just, you know, so, so going over to Zack Snyder, who, you know, at least on like an image maker level, he, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, this, this dude is pure cinema in comparison to anyone uh, making a Marvel film. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to say it on that level. Also, like when you look at what blockbuster filmmaking is, there's like a couple people like Michael Bay who get to make stuff outside of franchise, but generally he does, you know, at this point he's made more transformers movies than anything else pretty much yeah uh and and it is kind of a dire state in terms of that like ridiculous over the top uh blockbuster kind of thing but in terms of you know uh the the guys who we usually talk about let's say the michael manns the tony scotts the stuff like that you know maybe not as complex as you said he's not thinking things through maybe the way you just uh explained kind of the early 2000s america and 9-11 and its response allegory that's so easy to read into bvs but i also think that that's one of his strengths is he allows the audience to project so many different things onto these grand myths that he's portraying like I, I think Watchmen is a good example. I think a lot of the critique of Watchmen I've seen are from big Watchmen fans, uh, fans of the graphic novel, uh, who, you know, despite Snyder uh, modeling his storyboards after comic panels from the Watchmen, uh, they're mad at, you know, how he interprets the material. It's hollowness. In my opinion, when I saw Watchmen, I completely read it as, you know, this anti vigilante kind of thing where it's this very pessimistic film about you know the this alternate future of just right-wing extremism you know from the point of making the big blue guy win vietnam for us uh, <laughs> like onward well that 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 defines his approach to all of these characters just in general like every every character he does superman in batman v superman is a is a riff on dr manhattan and uh in this he actually does a little bit of dr manhattan in the character of cyborg as well this sort of idea of sort mm, of like a yeah. someone who who is is all powerful and is you know feels a sort of distancing effect by that and obviously created by sort of like this 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 freak accident as well um but yeah, no, you're right. What Watchmen is kind of like the key, I think, and usually it's one of my recommendations when I tell people who are going to start approaching Zack Snyder as an overall project or an author that that honestly every single interest he has can basically be found in both that story and you know what he did with the story. Well, I feel like in terms of relating it to like purely like like comic book cinema, like Watchmen and uh, the Justice League. 
I think have a really thorough understanding of like comic book. I mean, aside from the visual style, which I think like pops and is mm-hmm. distinct, like like still images in like a in a comic panel, but the way he structures it, how it's both like big in serial in scope, but also has time for like more episodic moments where you venture off into little courses. Like with Justice League in particular, I think dividing it into chapters and then being able to have all these different offshoots, it does have that like comic book sensibility that I, I think like, I don't know, you compare it to Marvel and that's like, I don't know, it feels like it's more television. It's not aping yeah. like a uh, comic book style in any sense. Like in Justice League and BVS, when there are those like Iraq War Batman sort of flashes <laughs> in like the post apocalyptic world, like that's so comic booky and like cool in that sense because it's just a uh, I don't know a, a little glimpse of an alternate uh, like an alternate future. Yeah, exactly. It's a superhero that is a drone strike. You know, it's, a, <laughs> it's an Obama double tap. You know, <laughs> you know. Another thing I like, I and I recognize this in BVS maybe a little bit more than uh, the new Justice League cut, but like if Snyder doesn't quite interrogate these figures so well, he he, he likes to uh, idolize them or like uh, he likes he likes to use their iconography in a way that like, I don't know, it kind of just reminds me of like the mo- most famous people in the world and kind of yeah. like he, he has like an inch, like I feel like Snyder has like an interest in like, I don't know, someone like, um, <laughs> I guess, you know, like Michael Jackson, you know, aside from, you know, other stuff, but like just the big, the like <laughs> Michael <laughs> Jordan, Michael Jordan. Say. Yeah. Jo- that's a better one. That's a, that's you a know, better one. He's made no strings attached, yeah. no strings attached. Fuck uh, them kids. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I don't, I think that's like Snyder would rather make a statue to a subject rather than kind of dissect it. And like a but lot I of, I think he's very yeah. interested in the questions that arise from making a statue of a subject. That's true too. Yeah. Because when Superman comes back in Zack Snyder's justice league and is confused and is fighting the justice league, he's doing it at his version of a nine 11 monument. Like it's, it's a monument that Amy Adams goes to cry at. So you assume it's like, Oh, you know, rip Superman, but it's just like <laughs> all the people who died in the superhero fight are the ones whose name are on the memorial, you know? Yeah, they also leave his decapitated head of his statue laying there, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What you said about iconography, also, I wanted to tag one last thing before we go into this film proper. The opening credits of Watchmen, I think, is all about that. Like, the, the Kennedy assassination, and you even see the second shooter on the grassy knoll. But that image stuck with me almost as much as anything in Watchmen. And it's, like, detached from uh, the rest of what follows for three hours, even in a different aspect ratio. Uh, I, I guess if you watch the director's cut, open mat of Watchmen it goes to scope for that opening credit sequence that's 10 minutes and then it goes back up to the full frame for IMAX stuff I guess I don't know speaking of aspect ratios <laughs> you you look at some of the shots in this movie and you think oh boy how how did they crop this down to 1.85 and then you find the shot from jo- Joss Whedon's I almost called him Justin Whedon <laughs> you find the shot from Justin Whedon's uh, uh, Snyder cut and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you need a Whedon cut of the Snyder cut <laughs> the Ju- Justin Whedon Snyder cut and you just 
it's so ugly. It goes beyond televisual. It's just like a crop job. And beyond the fact that they, uh, the, uh, post, uh, the post-production color work is like just a completely different approach. Yeah, they literally just crank that saturation up and that uh, exposure yeah. up, like uh, in like digitally. <laughs> it it looks really good. Yeah, it's really funny because there's certain colors that just like don't exist too. Like people uh, maybe rightfully made fun of this one line reading in the scene we just referenced right after Superman's resurrection of uh, Gal Gadot Tell saying "Kalel no." <laughs> yeah uh you know pretty funny she sucks uh whatever uh you know it's part of the it's part of the package you sign up for that you know she sucks at acting <laughs> um but the he makes her look like a way better actor than she does in her own movies <laughs> well yeah, yeah that yeah. too but there are also just like colors in the original one that do not exist in that frame whatsoever like <laughs> it's, it's so funny how different it is uh, and also, of course, the composition's ridiculous. Uh, it looks like how when they cropped The Simpsons or Seinfeld or whatever, it's just like so much is missing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I really liked the idea to switch it to to Academy Ratio. Obviously, I already said that I, I kind of had an idea that that was the direction that he was going in because he, he experimented with shooting it with Batman v Superman for just the IMAX stuff and just opened it up during those specific sequences. But he loved the way that that stuff looked and i mean especially when you watched you know like uh, for example like the nightmare sequence in batman versus superman when you know when batman's having this apocalyptic premonition of uh you know an, an evil superman and there's this incredible wonder as he's beating up like the the superman fascist army or whatever just before superman comes mm-hmm. in and starts just like shredding people with his laser vision because as always uh with Zack Snyder's movies his idea of superpowered violence is uh very very horrific and i think something that um you know is it, people always kind of clock as kind of like immature and uh, maybe on some level it is, but I always find it, like, uh, shocking, uh, especially just in comparison to what we frequently get out of these movies. And some of the violence in here is also very uh, kind of gruesome um, and bloody. But the choice to go with the Academy ratio, and people were kind of laughing at his reasoning behind it, where he was just like, well, you know, um, heroes uh, frequently, I, I shoot them, and, and they're vertical, you know? And uh, <laughs> I don't really want to, like, you know, uh, t- t- turn the camera to capture that i just i i liked the way that they looked and uh to his credit i think that large portions of what he shoots here really do make these superhero characters like tower like they they feel really really huge even in his images that you know they're they're very cg heavy and yes he has a music video stylist kind of sensibilities which means his spotify playlists frequently make a way make their way into the film while he's doing it but i i gotta tell you like you know when he does those musical interludes like aquaman ripping his shirt off to nick cave while he becomes one with the elemental storm like i find on an image level that is you know kind of stirring to see in an expensive movie and interesting that we would even just get time to do that that's i think even more impressive when we're talking about you know maybe the duration of it but like there are sequences sequences in here that actually like breathe and take time and invite you into even you know even if it's just characters talking to each other that they kind of feel like people sometimes which is nice yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. i i will say there 
what I said about the aspect ratio maybe doesn't extend to every single shot <laughs> because I know that he didn't shoot every single thing in four three on the set. Is that has to be correct because I know he talked about a one six six cut. There's also a one four three thing that was mentioned. I think that's the IMAX ratio. Yes. Um, but regardless, it's like an open mat format that he shot. And the 1.85 is more of a crop than the 4.3, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but regardless, I would say it runs into some clunky framing maybe four or five times in four fucking hours. Like, otherwise, yeah, yeah. it feels like it's wholly composed for 1.33, uh, despite the fact that it's this open mat thing that he kind of, you know, got the best ratio out of. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that, like... Maybe maybe some of the textures themselves don't look uh, as great as they do in like Batman versus Superman or Watchmen. And I think that does have to do with at least Watchmen being shot for the most part on physical sets uh, and not just, you know, backdrops other than two major backdrops in that movie, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, CG backdrops. Uh, this movie maybe I get a little lost in the textures of the of the CG design. Um, but I think the actual framing and movement, what he's doing with the camera is just kind of ridiculous from start to finish. I think I think the four three kind of helps make some of those CGI landscapes a little bit more watchable too, because at least in my opinion, uh, just kind of comparing for what I remember, you know, because I saw I saw the original. I was so high off of BVS fever. I was like, all right, I can't wait to see Justice League in 2017. <laughs> yeah. And uh, from what I remember, it's like a lot of these, some of these battle scenes, especially one with the metal guy. Who the what's the metal guy's name again? Cyborg. Cyborg? Cy no, no, no. Oh, the bad guy? No. the bad guy. That looks like the uh, dark side. Steppenwolf. Yeah. Well, do you know that skate company? Like, I think it's called Dark Side that has like a devil guy for his logo. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like some some of like the more Steppenwolf like Steppenwolf world heavy scenes, it's like, like like these huge like I don't know just like very vast compositions with like a lot of like CG characters going on, and like I kind of would like just get lost in these images in a bad way. Like there'd just be nothing quite interesting to look at, so yeah. I, it just kind of became a wash. <laughs> and that's still with some of these scenes, I still think that's a problem. But I think the fourth three just makes it it's more of a choice mm. in a sense so like yeah i mean this this movie suffers um i think in part from you know the the, the same thing that all of these movies suffer from is that you know whether whether you're you know the the uh, trying to be the michael chimino of them you are still shooting you know cg muscled monsters talking about boxes for like an hour of your movie that's just yeah. you know yeah that's absolutely it's, it, it, it's, it's part of the process of kind of like what you have to do and i i will say that maybe maybe i just you know uh was able to warm up to them because i do remember like malcolm seeing uh the weed in justice league but some of the sequences because when i saw that movie i was able to clock that the uh the the, the keep it moving sequence where they're trying to you know all of the people on whatever Wonder Woman's island is are trying to keep the box out of the hands of the the big CG guy. That mm -hmm. sequence and the evil Superman sequence were like the only two sequences that I was like, okay, I feel like that those felt like Snyder set pieces to me, like through and through. And yeah. the version that he does in this of that keep it moving sequence, for example, something about just the way 
that you know they they kind of cut it they kind of ruined some of the the rhythms of it and obviously Whedon part of the project of bringing him in was to entirely shift the tone of it to something that kind of felt a little bit lighter uh whereas in Snyder's version here it really is almost its own little like uh mini uh amazonian 300 that he does like it is all opera and tragedy as yeah. like steppenwolf with his big axe is literally chopping these women in half and they're all like crying and being like we got to keep that box moving <laughs> forward and you, you 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 get a sense of not only just the danger of obviously what they're up against and obviously because part of Snyder's entire project is that you know you have some semblance of the visceral power that both the heroes have um and also you know like what what's kind of uh, be what they're unleashing um on people and also what's coming to get them and yeah, I mean, shit, watching Steppenwolf, I, I, this time around, you know, I found him kind of physically imposing when he like threw horses around <laughs> and shit. I was like, what yeah. the hell? No, I mean, I, I generally liked the action scenes with the Amazonians. There's, it's easy to get lost in it a little bit, um, but I think Snyder is good enough at like directing uh and i guess in cg designing the background action to where it's like <clears throat> if you look past what he's focusing on there is still like you know good action going on in the, it, it's not it, it seems like it's easy to get lost in the slop as it yeah. were uh, like <laughs> it is in some scenes but i think that one is very good but what follows then, like, you have Steppenwolf, you know, talking to, I guess, Darkseid. That's that, his those, boss. Those are the ones yeah. I'm talking about more when so you, than the Amazonian sequence. for the oh, yeah. worst shit because it's just like, you know, uh, some, you know, Lucas was able to pull this off magnificently in the prequels where it's just like, you know, aliens talking to each other in a CG background <laughs> in shot reverse shot, you know, and it's somehow comp compelling. <laughs> Here you even have those classic CGI floaties that like you don't know what they are. There's just like floating specks <laughs> all over the place. Mm -hmm. And you're like, is that texture? Is yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what that is. And he's just talking to his boss and it's like <laughs> I whether he's a bad guy or like an alien, like I don't really need to see him talking to his boss for ten minutes. And, you and, know? and it's like, yeah, there's I don't know, there's no like emotional payoff to all that talk. Like, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah no, those def those scenes are just like I feel like the constraint of doing superhero stuff like I think you mentioned earlier Josh it like I, I don't know that like plotty weight to it I think bogs it down the most as opposed to when you're like getting the sort of fun individual superhero yeah. stories here's an easter egg for some cinephiles um <laughs> and if you're watching this movie we know you love uh cinematic easter eggs uh when amy adams goes to get coffee in the beginning uh it's raining outside and she goes to a coffee shop that's called fred and ginger coffee and it's like she's gonna bust out to singing in the rain or something like that <laughs> yeah and and, and um, Zack snyder is in that coffee shop in that shot what? Yeah. I didn't even know. Just a little I, Easter egg. No, for I would have thought maybe that was just. You no, know, actually, I just thought that was Clark Kent. <laughs> <laughs> Snyder stirring up his coffee a little bit. You know, I like that. I like that to think about that. Oh, I was gonna say. Do you know one one thing that 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 we should mention is that uh, pretty much like as like right away when I first turned this movie on, I thought I was gonna love it even more than I did because the opening is actually kind of incredible. 
uh, and very different, like, in, in, com- in comparison to the Whedon one, which they open on, like, Snapchat footage of Superman being like, uh, I, I like saving children. Uh, and obviously he's got, like, that, like, you know, that upper lip thing going on. But then there's, like, this, like, the sort of downbeat montage of just how the world would react to the death of Superman. And it's all this corny shit, like the, like the newspaper headlines and being like, where have all of our heroes gone? And it does it's Superman beside like David Bowie and like Prince and stuff like that. Just stuff that <laughs> democracy and, dies. And, and that's in like darkness. the opening. Oh, credits. Dude, that's <laughs> sick. Dude. Oh my God. Prince is up there and Superman comes through. He's like, you just got here. <laughs> <laughs> and then David Bowie and uh, RBG. Yeah. RBG <laughs> yeah. are there. They're chilling. They're dabbing. Yeah, like that. That stuff John is Candy. so brutal. And so watching this and the first image just being an intense close-up of of the bloody spear going through Superman's chest. This just uh, ugly yeah. Christ-like <laughs> spear wound, and the camera just twirling around in slow motion while his screams are just reverberating like through the entire <laughs> universe. It's just like that to me. I was like, okay. Okay. This is this is what I'm here for 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 Snyder. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of really incredible imagery in part one. Part one, and we should say it's divided into chapters. And uh, part one, after the opening nine minute uh, classic Snyder uh, opening credit sequence in slow motion, <laughs> silent over music. Uh, you know, don't count on it, Batman. Uh, we have Aquaman taking off his shirt but keeping on his jeans before jumping into the water, uh, which is always a classic thing. You know, he joins Christian Bale from Knight of Cups in our extended clip canon of guys who go into the beach with their jeans on, go into the ocean at the beach with their jeans on. Um, but then, like, you know, you have Batman, uh, Ben Affleck, rather, you know, talking about you know, needing to recruit people and whatever mumbo jumbo superhero bullshit's going on. But there's this really beautiful shot of him at an airstrip framed by a wheel of another airplane. That's, you know, hundred yards out or whatever. And I don't know, there's just like small moments like that where it's like, Oh, if only Zack Snyder was just making like a sleek action movie with some of these guys in it, you know, because mm-hmm. right after that, there's that uh, bank robbery in yeah. London that Wonder Woman uh, intervenes upon. And, you know, even if, you know, she spouts some corny lines or whatever, like that, that set piece is pretty fucking incredible. It's very sleek. And I don't know. I, I really liked the setting of that, the use of the kids just as a crowd. Just like, yeah. fuck these kids. Let's get 20 of them in a room <laughs> and like use them as a collective hostage. No, I, I from the like original cut, like, yeah, I don't remember that scene being that impressive. Like, I love how like it's it starts with, you know, kind of like the focus on the suitcase as we're just going through the bank. You got a lot mm-hmm. of like head, uh, headless bodies walking about. And yeah, like the way it just kind of escalates and, you know. I was, you know, it was funny. Like when Wonder Woman like blocked the bullets with her shield or whatever. I was like, damn, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like in that like set piece alone, it shows how well he's using Godot because she's like very, very little is given to her in terms yeah. of like having to pretend like she's a human being. <laughs> 
but, not, she's but you know no, that, that that seems a, a good example being. of just yeah. how like like that scene is in the Whedon version of the film but if you played them side by side you would be like wow just like the rhythm of the cutting feels like it like the impacts of the hits are being lost and a lot of the clarity of some of the space is being lost like the the frames definitely help him there too but yeah like i remember like seeing that same set piece and not you know it it not having the impact that it does like watching it now part two because part one ends with what we talked about the first like attack at the amazon correct yeah and uh yeah because i wrote in my notes at the end of part one that he's killing horses like chimino which i guess (laughs) is the heaven's gate connection you know (laughs) but i guess he's slaughtering cg horses yeah and not shooting a mile of film you know he's just all doing (laughs) digital and killing fake horses this bullshit <laughs> film no it's fucking male yeah, yeah. director fantasy horses. of killing horses. Horses in here. <laughs> yeah we need to bring that real style back man get get back to the fucking farm get back to protesting <laughs> getting your movies protested by animal rights activists <laughs> so anyway part two is the age of heroes and uh, that's when Steppenwolf has his already iconic line, it's toxic, that's good. <laughs> uh, which, of course, could be read as like a meta-commentary line on just the, the fandom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of brooding in this, so mileage may vary, I guess. For so- Some of it looks really cool. That's when you have like the Aquaman music video, the Nick Cave music video, mm-hmm. um, yep. which is like... It's, yeah, it's it's cool in my opinion. I, I think that, like, is kind of, like, you could say it's lame or whatever because mm-hmm. it is. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> it, in terms of, like, it's not, like, a character moment, quote, unquote. You yeah. know, that's a very stupid thing. But, you know, it's vague enough for you to interpret it as you will. Yeah. Even if your interpretation is, he's a good-looking chap and uh, this is a cool song and he's <laughs> framing it very well. Uh, you know, very centered framing uh, from like that, like long shot as the wave is just collapsing on top of him at, at the pier. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's some really incredible images in there. Well, yeah, and, and 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 you're supposed to get a sense of his power, I think, too, right? Because that's the part too where he's like he he brings that fisherman in because the fisherman didn't, as he put it, respect the storm. Uh, so it, it it's sort of this imposing idea that you need to respect him almost. <laughs> Affleck and Godot here, uh, that, that's where our, my patience is tested really the yeah. first time is, you know, Gal Godot and Ben Affleck, like trying to figure out the boxes. And that's when I'm trying to figure out the boxes too. <laughs> that's when, you know, you, you get a, you get that flashback to another battle, which is very cool. It's like that very mythic battle with the Amazons. The first time these guys attacked and, you know, tried to get all three of these boxes to mm-hmm. activate the, the super box, which Man, fucking that thing, you wouldn't last <laughs> yeah. 10 seconds. Uh, yeah. Put me in a room with that box. We'll see you. you I'm know. not coming out. Yeah, I'm not coming out. <laughs> the, uh, you know, like, in regards to, like, these moments, like, you know, Aquaman and, like, slow motion with music over it, or even, like, I, I like the, the football scene where... We have oh, a, the football oh, that's flashback fantastic. is incredible. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one play, too. Exactly. It's one play from <laughs> scrimmage, and it's made, it feels like it's five minutes long. It's probably only a minute and a half or so, but it's mm-hmm. it might be my favorite scene in the whole movie, honestly. The momentum mm-hmm. that he 
like it feels you know what it feels like actually and this is a high compliment is that michael mann commercial uh i think he it's for nike where it's the line of scrimmage moving back and forth kind of oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, where different teams are taking it's like a montage of different games kind of as the line of scrimmage moves snyder's use of momentum from line of scrimmage all the way following cyborg scoring the touchdown is so incredible it's like nothing i've seen in a sports movie honestly that's like one of my favorite like sports one takes i've seen i know yeah it's honestly really great and like these big swing moments and you were kind of getting at this jt is like that's kind of what i was hoping from snyder and we watched sucker punch i don't know like three weeks ago at this point and i feel like there's a good amount of those in sucker punch but then yeah you know i I do have to reckon with like yeah this is a superhero movie this is you know the cards Snyder's been dealt if he wants to make these big budget action movies. And also, I mean, how, why, why does this cut exist? The people. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a popular, this is a populist movement here, you know, and it's, it's not just a movie, it's a movement, but, uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, it's, I mean, it's, you know, I guess it's like, uh, I, I don't even know if this is Snyder's intention, but I, it makes sense that this isn't like, I don't know, his most, I don't know what I was expect. I, you know, I, I'm, his I was, opus. Yeah, or? it's not his opus. Or although it seems like a good opportunity to go opus mode, I do have to say. But it's like, it's it's just uh, you know he's doing it for the people, and you know whether we like it or not, the people in general have, you know, are used to like the superhero storytelling style. They're used to seeing Steppenwolf and CGI hell talk to his boss or whatever. <laughs> so. That's part of it. I mean, I think like the fact that there are so many sequences that like bleed through, like not, I don't want to say like you're saying like Eddie, not particularly character significance and mostly like to me, it's like, oh, this shit looks cool and is a very fun, like formal experimentation. It like makes characters and stuff pop that I would for the rest of the film was completely disinterested in like the flash stuff. Overall, didn't like, but like seeing the little CG sesame seed, like that, and and the hot dog going in slow mo. I like that stuff. Yeah. I like fun. that scene. I like that scene. Yeah. yeah okay. So, uh, part three, and before we go into part three, JT, would you mind opening the window? Yeah, I got. It. Uh, <laughs> Dang. Uh, Sounds like he knows something that we don't know. No. Part yeah. <laughs> uh, part three is called "Beloved Mother, Beloved Son." It's, for some reason, I thought we were going to just get like a Martha 2.0 moment. Yeah. Like I was like part three, midpoint, Superman's coming back through the po- power of someone saying Martha. Yeah. Uh, but it's not going to happen like that. It's not that easy. Uh, <laughs> you you know, the Joker doesn't cubes. say we live in a society and there's not a Martha moment. So, you know, unfortunately, neither of those things happen uh, because I was completely here for both of them. But regardless, beloved mother, beloved son, this is where we meet the flash he has some absolutely terrible comedy uh as he's late to a job interview uh before he has some very cool action as he saves the girl uh (laughs) and you know grabs some hot dogs and you know it's very cool snyder is you know uh taking slow motion a step further he's been such a slow motion fiend throughout these films that i've been so impressed by so here he goes and puts the world in slow motion and lets the flash do his thing. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Uh, It's like, it's not awe inspiring to look at, to be completely honest, but the more I thought about it, the more I was impressed with it. 
in terms of the uh, relationship between, I guess, the two timelines and how, you know, toward the end it comes back into play how everything exists at once to the Flash because yeah. it's that fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that I, dude it, must come so quickly. <laughs> uh, but he's always coming. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think that, like, calls everything into question in a pretty interesting way if you're going to go and do that extra work. It, what if, like, the Flash is about to come and then he just runs really fast and it goes back <laughs> in? He keeps doing that over and over again to last a good, a good, a solid five. Want to see me do it again? (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely do like his his basic idea to because because Ezra Miller definitely can be grading in the film trying to make himself kind of like the, the the young snarky kid who's not you know doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the characters in that kind of way and weirdly enough i thought that this was a better visual representation of that than anything else because the flash's version of you know aquaman you know he's drinking he's moving with one with the giant storm and the flash is doing like this like little like romantic meet cute thing where he's just like he's saving the girl for sure and he's you know solving a crisis situation but for half that slow motion sequence he's just like looking into her eyes he's just like this girl's pretty cute <laughs> that's it that's what that's like his his Going entire interest mode. in that actual scene <laughs> meanwhile the sesame seeds are flying by the hot dogs are going by like it's a it's a very goofy yeah. um sequence and snyder with all of his visual power again just trying to make you kind of like buy into it a little bit and it does end up in a nicely kind of like composed shot where you know he's getting that hero moment where he's holding her as the ca- the car flies past them and like explodes in slow motion and everything like that because you know that's just that's that's what he does that's what he likes he likes these moments that, you know, probably on the page feel dumber, uh, you know, feel big. And I, I think that the the more that Snyder visually represents the Flash, the better he is. And the more he talks, the worse he is. It's it's <laughs> yeah. a one-to-one correlation. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Flash in the climactic set piece, I think, gets the most visually interesting part of the climactic set piece just out of nowhere. Mm. It's true because that climactic set piece is 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 pretty is pretty tough. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get to it obviously a little bit later, but like there, yeah, it, it's definitely there. There's a lot of like you know gray aliens shooting laser guns at things that you can't quite see, and you know as much as Snyder is you know very good at you know sort of doing this kind of digital stitching and you know this sort of movement and slow motion in the frame and everything, it, you really just can't save some of the design work they went with <laughs> in that final set piece, and also. Also, to stick with this third sequence, because I I think that ending that uh, flash sequence on a high note visually and then going to that cyborg flashback with the football game, Mm -hmm. like that's a good way to just like build that kind of rising action, you know, Mm -hmm. but then the rising action kind of comes to a halt when Affleck recruits the flash then and it's like, oh, God, this really sucks. Like he's just doing this kind of aw shucks comedy in the in the Batcave the whole time, and it's it's very grating to watch. Uh, and then you see Aquaman lose a fight for one of the boxes, and that's when you learn about that's when you really learn about the boxes. If you thought <laughs> if you thought you learned about the boxes the first two times, boy, were you wrong. Now we know all about the boxes. I, th- I think at this point we do know all about the boxes. I, I think I think you know what like with what makes the scenes with the Flash, uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, you know, particularly bad. And, like, of course, like, the Ezra Miller comedy shit is fucking grating. You know, not funny at all. Like, 
literally does not have one close hit. But uh, <laughs> like in terms of a joke, but like uh, like it's also like kind of what we were talking about how like Snyder plays to Godot's strengths. But I guess this is kind of the limit here, where you kind of have Ezra Miller, you know, doing zany shit in a room. Godot kind of just in you know being strong and silent, and then. Um, I do I like the Ben Affleck Batman here, but it's also he kind of there's like it's kind of a chunky. To do. Yeah, there's nothing for him to do. He just kind of sits and he's just I don't know. He's just like chunky soup mode or something like that. <laughs> well, that, 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 that <laughs> I, I kind of like him in <laughs> chunky soup, chunky soup mode, yeah. uh, where he's just just eating slop. That's a, that, 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 that's just, one of the you know, flaws of, of this kind of storytelling is that you know Batman can't be as interesting as he was in Batman v Superman because he's no longer psycho fascist yeah. Batman. Like he had his arc was that's Superman yeah. changed down, my heart. Dude. I wrote down I miss psycho fascist Batman. Like I yeah. I miss that even if in BVS it was just a, a spike of aggression kind yeah. of uh th- that that swing of batman is not in this at all and i think like every time this steps towards being a batman movie for like 10 15 minutes i'm like oh this could actually be kind of cool yeah. uh, like you have that meeting to start part four uh part four change machine uh with commissioner gordon played by jk simmons <laughs> gets a solid three minutes yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and you know it's like the the gang is almost together <laughs> you yeah. can almost taste it three hours in um but it's like oh i i kind of do like this dark got like gotham is such a good fit for snyder and you know uh the the affleck batman I, I buy his brooding more than anyone other than I, I think the cyborg and Superman, you know, uh, storylines do have a, an emotional core that do work for me. Um, the the rest of the film, the the skulking, the brooding doesn't really hit for me. And I think one of the weaker points is that Batman is kind of just reacting to other people doing that. And it's not like, you know, any, anything of interest for him, really. Other no. than bringing back his buddy. I mean, yeah, you're talking, you know, you miss Psycho Fascist Batman. I, I mean, it's like, I think the best part of this movie still, and it was the best part of the original cut, at least to me, is the 9-11 memorial Superman scene. Oh, yeah. Because evil Superman fucking rules. He's, 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 no one could fucking get him, bro. That's and, so sick. <laughs> <laughs> but so it, much destruction. Yeah, exactly. And like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's in Snyder, like, you know, he's a lot of brooding. I mean, like something that always stuck out to me about Batman versus Superman is like, there's like fucking like five funerals in that movie yeah. or something like that. I, and, I guess yeah. I just buy yeah. the brooding of that movie more because I like the mood of the entire mm-hmm. thing. Like, the yeah. brooding is that entire movie. Yeah. Like that movie is just like, remember Man of Steel? It was actually 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to remember 9-11 right now. <laughs> and that, Well, I guess that's that was a quality I found so valuable in Batman versus Superman. And to, since it's not quite here to the full effect, it's something I'm a little disappointed in. Mm. Yeah, this definitely doesn't go to those like almost expressionist nightmare places that he tried to go with Batman uh, v Superman, which is honestly why watching it, I was kind of surprised that Warner Brothers, you know, other than the sheer length of it, like took so much issue with it. Uh, because like, weirdly enough, I found this version... Like, it seems like Snyder himself had either, you know, either this was what he planned to do or he had already kind of course corrected himself. Like, much of this is very just, like, plainly, like, earnest 
uh, superhero storytelling. Mm. It's very dorky. He tries to get, you know, some emotional <laughs> elements in there with the origin stories and stuff. But, like, you know, again, Flash is ta- is talking, you know, not as badly as he did in with, you know, Whedon's words coming out of his mouth. But he is that, you know, archetype of a character. Like, Snyder's version of this movie seemed like, you know, it was something that they, you know, they they could have accepted now maybe it wouldn't have quite gone as far in some places as he got them to go here like he did in like the doing an exposition scene like it's like that opening sequence of lord of the rings but it's like playstation graphics but also like x-rated at the same time with like battle axes like going yeah. into dark side's like shoulder and him just like spewing goopy red blood like everywhere and things like that but i think that you know, overall, Snyder's, you know, project here that he was tackling was something very different than Batman v Superman, where that movie was very kind of ugly and vile kind of on purpose. It was kind of angry uh, for one of these kinds mm-hmm. of movies. And this movie had an idea of if it feels a little bit more mournful, it almost feels kind of regretful. And this larger idea that it kind of has that, you know, uh, that a lot of these obviously movies had, you'll find this in every fucking uh, Fast and Furious movie as well. But there's idea that, you know, these people are coming together and, um, you know, because of shared feelings of, you know, whether, you know, it's some sort of like parental relationship gone wrong or some sort of loss in their life, you know, whether it's Lois, like grieving Superman or Cyborg, who feels like this sort of like weird, uh, powerful perversity that his father who didn't go to his football games turned him into like, you know, a Frankenstein style monster, or the Flash who they don't delve into it much, but like, uh, you know, his father is in prison for killing his mother, which is, you know, something that the fans will know gets expanded on a little bit more but the way that he brings it up here is very funny for anyone who doesn't know anything about that stuff um but there 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 is something i think metatextually interesting about this this movie coming being brought back to life after obviously Zack Snyder had gone through this loss that he had and i don't again we don't know how much you know tonally and in the edit this matches what he would have released in 2017 because warner brothers would not have released a four-hour version with blood in it you know there would have been a three-hour truncated one i imagine somewhere but releasing this as a four-hour version where he gets to spend so much time with these characters backstories and you know with these sort of like blurred tragic flashbacks that they have there's so many fucking flashbacks in this movie uh (laughs) which is where he really uh you know uh, amps the style up as well like that's where we find you know like the football sequence that you guys were talking about and uh you know cyborg really does kind of become weirdly enough the heart of this movie uh at at a certain point which makes it like even fucking crazier that we didn't cut him out of the whole movie <laughs> yeah that like, yeah makes no sense to me i i don't know how this movie exists without a fair amount of cyborg like until superman is resurrected he is the emotional weight of the movie like entirely mm. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, you, you don't understand. We needed to cut the only black character in the movie <laughs> so that we could fit we could fit more of like the flash like uh falling onto Wonder Woman's boobs and going like, oh Hey man, they're both Jewish POCs. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> they're both POCs. Uh 
Yeah, the, Ezra Miller has a throwaway line about being Jewish, and I was like, come on, man. <laughs> how are you going to invoke the greats like Albert Brooks, Woody Allen, yeah. etc., with, with that cringe humor? This is as close as we're going to get to uh, see Ezra Miller get his Woody movie, yeah. you know, do a Woody role. <laughs> <laughs> get Woody for the Flash. Anyway. <laughs> Much like, you know, the tradition of great actors before him, like Jason Biggs and Owen Wilson. <laughs> Part five, all the king's horses, uh, the resurrection is coming. And, uh, you know, Batman has a, a very distinct line for a Batman type character. And, you know, for, for people who don't usually listen to extended clip, we're not we're not big superhero nerds on here. We've reviewed a Batman movie, though, so I know a little bit about this fella. Uh, <laughs> I've heard of him. And he says to Albert that... Uh, Albert? Alfred. Oh, <laughs> Albert. I was about to be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, it was, a, it was a sly hit, uh, pit bull reference. Uh, <laughs> he says to Albert, uh, I'm operating strictly on faith. And I think that that leading into the resurrection of Zack Snyder, Superman, Henry Cavill, Jesus Christ, is gives this so much more weight, like, in terms of what this movie is attempting even compared to BVS. Like that is not a line from BVS and not in a way that's like BVS to the Whedon cut. That's just a changed man. Yeah. <laughs> like whether or not that line was in the cut he wanted to have, whether it was in the Whedon cut, regardless of everything. I, I think that line like embodies everything about the transition, really just reading Snyder as an auteur from 2016 is that when bvs was yeah uh until now nope. uh and yeah i i think that this being like a faith-based film is there, there's something to be said about that uh it's it's kind of kind of beautiful even if i don't get on its wavelength in that regard because it's it's not faith in a traditional sense only in one little aspect of the film it is when you obviously read the jesus superman stuff well yeah like you know to keep playing you know uh the bvs and justice league comparisons like it is like with bvs there is like such you know like a darkness to it or just like a, you know very like like scenes like uh like a jolly rant the jolly rancher scene with lex Luthor and mm. stuff like that oh, yeah. it's like with justice league like these when they're all like in the room together it feels like like a recovery meeting or just like something there's something like very like earnest and like yeah kind of like yeah i mean i guess the, i guess the idea the you know very base idea of a superhero it's like we need to save the world or whatever. I guess Snyder's treating that with its, uh, you know, utmost respect. Yeah. Although, sense. although I, I, I do like that he always fills it with like a little bit of complicated weight. I do like that the some of the the small gestures anyway when they go back into the ship and because he he does it you know as this sort of like this very uh sort of like messy reanimation like they're bringing him back to life in the same thing that they brought that doomsday to life in Batman v Superman which is like the most CG monstrous looking thing that you've ever seen um and so they're using that same idea to bring him back to life and i love that the machine is like talking to cyborg and being like this course is irreversible and aquaman is like uh we should should we be fucking doing this uh should we uh this, yeah. this seems wrong and then when they do it and you know again snyder does it very well visually where he has the flash like you know generate some sort of uh, energy source or electricity to in order to power to you know bring Superman actually back to life along with the cyborgs, whatever he's he whatever he's cooking up in there. 
Um, but uh, there's this part, too, where we get brief flashes from the Batman v Superman nightmare sequence of that apocalyptic premonition of things to come, which uh, for Zack Snyder, I believed he said that he basically, you know, he, he eventually wanted that to be one of the, the Justice League sequels was like full out crazy you know, evil Superman, uh, Darkseid has risen and uh, basically disintegrated Lois Lane to a crisp. And you actually do see images and things like that. So even though, you know, they're reviving Superman and it's supposed to be this thing of we're getting the team back together, they're doing it with literal flashes of imagery of like Superman screaming, holding like Lois Lane's skeleton with her like skin melted off of it. <laughs> and, you know, various, you know, so you, you don't get this sequence without also having images like that or also i think there's a is there there's a shot of like wonder woman being like uh burned in a pyre like a jedi funeral as well (laughs) (laughs) jt what were you gonna say i mean i think it was that like this is kind of on a thematic level where it like swings back and forth between like what i really like about the film and what really misses for me is that it's like going for all of these grieving people sort of coming together to embrace like a more hopeful future by like taking their shared pain into something more positive mm-hmm. and uniting against like a, a larger force of evil. I mean, obviously a lot of the, the superhero stuff is about that, but it's like that works when there's like characters like Cyborg and his whole story, I think really accomplishes that very well. But then you just have like, I don't know, the looser threads with the Flash or Gal Gadot where I, I don't like, I don't know, it's it's really lacking there. I mean, like with the Affleck Batman stuff, it's a lot of holdover from BVS and him like trying to bring back his buddy again. And I think that works there, but it's just some of these heroes just aren't as good as the others. Yeah. Some of these heroes aren't so super, I gotta say. <laughs> it is like just I hadn't really thought about that, but like think about Wonder Woman, it's like she doesn't really have much to worry about. And I guess like <laughs> yeah, like of course she wants to, you know, not you gotta get the cubes. I don't in know, order. dude. There there's some stuff going there there's some um there's some Palestinian children throwing well. rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that's mean, they, true. You they said the thing. The There's a lot stuff. to worry about. But that's yeah. like more abstract. It's not yeah. like, I don't yeah. know, the grief of like her her sisters dying. It's not like as concrete as like Cyborg, like losing his mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't sold on quite a, as a personal level as the other. Yeah. Um, I, I do like Superman's resurrection. Like there's that huge blast and the first, maybe not the very first, but one of the first cutaways from that blast is a close up on a cop pulling his gun out of the holster. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just going to shoot the light beam that births Superman. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Um, but after he comes back, and uh, Amy Adams calms him down after evil Superman tries to fight everyone. He flies away with pussy. her. Yeah, he just needs some pussy. So <laughs> he got some. He flew up to space, got some pussy, flew back down, landed on Earth with her uh, for he part so six. Yeah, that's why he calmed down. <laughs> that was an incel uh, mass killing or something like. That. Part six, something darker. We see these like Terrence Malick esque. Uh, vistas of him at the old Smallville house uh, where he quite literally like a Malick movie like rubs uh, a thing of wheat through his fingers you know uh, and they're, they're just kind of brooding but you know it's 
easily forgivable. It's quite beautiful. And after this incredibly moving resurrection at that, and this is, this is really the peak of the movie for me, uh, or at least w- one of the better moments of the movie for me, where you have them just like embracing each other outside and he's, you know, coming back to humanity, coming back to reality kind of, and you just cut back to the action going on. And yeah, it's, it's a little much of a CG slop action, uh, but there is some cool stuff like Batman pulling up in the Batmobile with the turret. It's it's like everything's a little too dark, but then he slides in a classic Snyder slow-mo shot mm-hmm. of a shell popping out of the turret <laughs> of the Batmobile and following that shell fall like off of the Batmobile and mm-hmm. onto the concrete. And it's like, oh my God, yes. That shot breaking up all of those clusters of CG uh indecipherable cg compared to this cg beauty uh was wonderful but yeah i i really liked the scenes here despite my aversion to amy adams uh Mm the my the scenes here with lois lane uh where he's coming back to reality uh before he goes to help out in the climax are quite beautiful to me you know just talking about the slow motions like i think every use of slow motion in this movie I, i pretty much like and I, you know, maybe a slow motion cut is an is an order. Damn, the slow mo <laughs> cut, <laughs> the eight hour, eight hour slow mo yeah. cut. I mean, but it is like th- that's that's where I feel like, and, and maybe since it's one of the more kind of I don't know, it's it's a very easy thing to recognize slow motion. He's it's very obvious that he's, you know, messing with something there, but like that's that's where I enjoy him the most are, are kind of like these grandiose gestures and whatnot and like that seems to be one of his interests but like then like these kind of like prolonged battle scenes seem to be another one of his interests mm. and it's you know how can we f- find a way to combine those two aspects <laughs> you know Zack Snyder bring some of that to the battlefield yeah. and there there and this not to say I, I I don't dislike every like combat scene in here like the Amazon one you mentioned and i kind of like i think are we talking about the one is this like the main fight that you're getting into now? yeah the end yeah, of part yeah. six yeah yeah like i i like that one especially when superman starts coming in too yeah and i like the concept of the flash having to push cyborg like into the square or something yeah. to deactivate it whatever mumbo jumbo it is uh he he messes up uh he falls down and he gets a second shot because he's so fucking fast that, you know, he, he can pull a temporal pincer maneuver all by himself. Uh, <laughs> so he basically gives himself a second chance in a way that's really beautiful. And like this, you know, blue wash just surrounds him kind of. Uh, and it almost reminds me of, you know, that really internal moment toward the end of Speed Racer at the Grand Prix where, yes. you know, yeah, he yeah. gives himself that pep talk. Uh, it kind of reminded me of yeah, that a little bit. Like, I was, at I least was... Zach is swinging for those emotional fences. You know? Yeah, I was quite surprised that even in Ezra Miller's performance, like I wish that there was more setup for him to get to that moment because mm-hmm. the moment I think works like on like you know uh, divided from the rest of it but like I was sitting there and I was like wow this is actually a very interesting moment because I forget the exact line that he gets but he, he gets something about you know uh, that the future and past are all at the same time done as Snyder is visualizing that in you know his flashes of 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 lightning reforming the things that were just you know decimated because dark side and whatever his face is they got the boxes together and it nuked the planet and they're gonna you know genocide Mm -hmm. everyone or whatever but when when everything is being reformed and he's sitting there and 
you can watch the ground reforming as his feet is just like barely touching it and uh junkie xl actually does a really cool little score during that moment too and the the character is just talking to himself when that happens and then you get classic Mm -hmm. snyder shit in that moment where superman and cyborg are reformed having had an explosive blast like tear them apart so you see their skeleton and their muscle and their veins like reattach uh, to their bodies as he's turning back time, uh, which is just such like an incredibly graphic way of <laughs> of obviously visualizing that. And then when he goes into Cyborg and he gives him that power, which is then you know he's supposed to use to separate all the cubes or whatever it is, you get it a, like a really great moment with Cyborg as well, where that's visualized through the cubes trying to trick him into you know being images of his family who who he obviously misses both of his parents have died over the course of of the film and he just mm-hmm. gets you know that line about being you know i'm i'm not a bro- i'm not broken and i'm not alone and he just denies that sort of vision that the cubes offer him and then that breaks them apart and it's just such a like plainly again it's like the martha moment like it's very corny um, but it's very clear that Snyder believes in those kinds of corny emotions. He thinks that way. It's the kind of person that he is. You you oh, feel yeah. you, you feel like he's the kind of guy who looks at like you know uh, memes on the internet that you know tell him you know uh, that that's how he navigates some of his relationships. You will see today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 there is something to be said about you know just a guy who believes in that enough and has enough craft behind him in order to sell it and uh, to credit to him i think that even without all of the character work being there to do it i mean it is with cyborg but less so with flash you know i found myself kind of feeling things in that sequence so no yeah i feel like this like i love the visuals of the flash you know running through but i like like you said like when he's saying like i'm I'm doing this for you, Dad, or something like. Doesn't he say something yeah, like that? Yeah, he does yeah. say something. And I'm like, effect. well, I'm like, well, that, like, I was like, I'm like, I, you know, this is the balance of Snyder. Snyder, great visual artist, but he is, he's a little bit corny. Yeah. But like, I don't know, something like the Martha scene or like Cyborg talking to his parents. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it hits a different tone with me to where it is. Yeah, I guess maybe it's just like the earnestness of it that, I, especially in the Martha scene, it kind of comes out of. Uh, nowhere it seems yeah. I think also yeah. for and I'll, I'll say this that I am a big fan of that scene um, I think a lot of what sells the Martha scene is Affleck's reaction though yeah, even true. with the mask on like Affleck's reaction in that scene is in some of his best acting yeah, frankly being confronted with humanity right yeah. where it's mm-hmm. like Flash it's like it's I guess it's like uh, like I like I said I love the visuals of that it's not quite connecting the next dot to, to get mm-hmm. like the emotional reaction rather than you know, kind of just going with the base, like, I want to impress my father. Or something. Yeah, and I think his melodramatic gestures are just as grand as his action ones. Mm-hmm. And so it can be just as hit and miss, you know? Uh, He's a home run hitter. He can be a home run mm-hmm. hitter. He can also strike out a lot. Yep. He could be like Adam Dunn. <laughs> uh, so uh, they, they, they're able to, I guess you know, deactivate the bomb, <laughs> desync the, the three cubes, yeah. uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, definitely. And, well, and, and, there, and there's, there's a great, there's a great moment too, when they, when they do that, where they're like, just looking through the portal at the giant, like CG hell. It just looks like doom oh, for like yeah. a second. <laughs> and there's a great I moment. I actually did like that. Yeah. Because 
at that point the the, the graphics were small enough so it was like <laughs> yeah. it actually matched kind of well yeah it, it, it kind of has like that unreality effect that they're looking at something that is mm. not on earth at all but but also yeah, too exactly. it actually does visually match that big sort of like uh you know lord of the rings-esque fantasy sequence he does earlier where all of the you know he had like uh vikings and zeus and you know all these different gods and fighting together to get rid of this you know this giant space dude or whatever he is and you know leave it to snyder to mirror that uh with now the modern version of that is just you know like a dude that looks like a bat and some kid in like a red suit and everything and i i almost felt the humiliation for whoever this big cg monster is is that before you know he had giant muscled men hitting him with lightning bolts <laughs> and now now like th this time around that he's been defeated you know it's it, again it's it's an interesting moment that snyder always complicates where it, it's this half-hearted victory and part of it is that you know he's setting up more movies that will probably never come but there is you know sort of this idea that you know um you know they they kind of only stalled you know the these giant things that were coming and they only did it in just the nick of time and they were a bunch of you know uh sort of like weirdo kind of people who you know previously had nothing to do with one another and there is you know a little yeah. bit of weight to watching just these costumed weirdos looking through a space portal at like the devil <laughs> and you know <laughs> just because that's how snyder thinks about these things and i'm surprised that you know, uh, more movies don't kind of like feel that way. Cause again, even when he's doing it with hastily thrown together graphics, you know, he, he somehow makes goofy things feel, you know, mythical in that way. And I think that that's one of the, the better moments that he, he gets there, especially too, because he visually sets it up. It, 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 honestly, I wish, I wish that that was closer to where the movie ended than what we're about to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think, the epilogue kind of owns like in a weird yeah, way in a weird way it's like on its own but yeah. but at the after you've watched yeah, it for three hours and 45 <laughs> minutes it's like oh my god but on its own like i'm looking at my notes for epilogue a father twice over and it does kind of rule it's about mending relationships with fathers and i think zach just putting a button on that note of an emotional you know, story about fatherhood and his circumstances and the first credit being for Autumn mm -hmm. uh, really makes the epilogue hit home in that regard. But then, and that's only the first half of the epilogue, though. That's the funny thing. The epilogue is split in half. So you have <laughs> the emotional parts. You have Cyborg reassemble the uh, the Sony tape machine uh, <laughs> or the Sony uh, voice recorder, whatever. Uh, a nice little analog fetish thrown in there. I like that little piece of equipment. Uh, and, you know, he learns the, the emotional part that uh, of the message his father left for him. And, you know, we we see some more closure with the Flash getting a job at a fucking crime lab. Like, oh, boy, yeah, that's going to that's gonna help your dad. <laughs> Probably should have just told him you're in Justice League. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's way cooler. Yeah. I'm chilling with fucking Batman. <laughs> but it is quite touching for Snyder, as I said. Yeah. Um, but then it's like it descends into madness. First, you get uh, Lex Luthor going bald like Bezos, just looking hilarious, just nonsense. As much nonsense as you could throw in in 90. I loved yeah. it. That, no, that was one I, of my favorite parts of the movie. That's what I like was hoping more of from the Justice League at large was like, I like when Zack Snyder like 
the chaos of Sucker Punch, I love. And yeah. it's like I, when he goes crazy mode, that's what I'm there for. And he crams a lot of crazy <laughs> in the last like 20 minutes, especially <laughs> we have to mention the line at some point, but just the Joker talking about giving Batman a reach around. Oh, that's, my God. Uh, <laughs> so, the the yeah. implications. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have this dream sequence where Batman is fighting in this like uh, rogue militia of some sort in this fallout gray scaled uh, Denis Villeneuve looking Los Angeles uh, <laughs> where the Joker is in a SWAT uniform and uh, the guy that's supposed to be trying to kill Batman with one eye is there too and he's hanging out with them yeah and uh, the Joker's just like hey man what are you gonna do without me Who's gonna give you a reach around? <laughs> Very, it's like, uh, like I do like it, but at, at I, you know, at this point, I was like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, I was movie? so exhausted. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah. I, I think the epilogue works as its own like eight minute or however long short film. Yeah, uh, but in the great uh, sticking that at the end of three hours fifty minutes is well, like, well, yeah, oh and and God. also it's worth noting that those are the reshoots. Like that, that oh, stuff okay, with Joker. Nice. That that kind of rules. Yeah, that's <laughs> he, awesome. He, 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 <laughs> that's he, so funny. He, he threw in like setup for the next movie at as the reshoot, which I'm not sure if it was his pitch to Warner Brothers to be able to like keep going. Because again, as I mentioned, I kind of like this sort of like this apocalyptic dream stuff that he's been setting up, especially when he started it in Batman v Superman. But there is something about this one where I was just kind of like. Like, oh, he's just going to keep he's just going to keep going with it, even though they definitely aren't making this movie anymore, which I guess yeah. on on its own way is just him as him asserting his power over Warner Brothers that he literally used their money to reshoot, you know, more setup. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was also in. strange because of the visual, the visual style of it, too. Like he shoots this not in a shot reverse shot, but he's just shooting these like in profile kind of close-ups against the sun of both of these mm -hmm. characters and you know maybe it's to add to that nightmare feeling of it because it's then re revealed to be batman's sick dream <laughs> uh, in which he, the, he contemplates the joker giving him a handy <laughs> <laughs> also like that like considering that those are reshoots it's like I think Snyder's like, I got to give Leto like a, a monologue here because yeah. it is yeah. like, it is funny that like <laughs> the idea of a very serious and twisted Joker did happen and it wasn't him. It was Joaquin Phoenix yeah. and like he really wanted to sell that idea and it did not work out for him <laughs> at all. Like pe people will like, I don't know how people felt about him before, but like he'll be made fun of, you know, yeah. for that for a long time. But also it's like. Was it, was it Jim Carrey? Is that the Joker now? Like that? Is that what? Because it was like literally. I don't know. It seems like such a, like the hype. It's very funny because you could go like you know, uh, Bozo who also kind of owns territory with this. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like so fucking strange. Like <laughs> I know Leto has like a whole Joker movie in his head or something that's that's going on, yeah. and it's just like you just get this weird three minute thing. It's like what the why the fuck is he even there? But yeah. it's like all right, you know what? That's but that's. If you're gonna make a fucking four hours director's cut, I guess that's why. That's why you put stuff like this in it. Um, it ends then. I think is the last line of the movie. My name is Martian Manhunter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like Martian Manhunter just showing yeah. up to to Batman's clip. He's, Batman's like, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I, I think <laughs> right, Neil Bahader uh, posted his side by side screen with the end of The Godfather Two with uh, with uh, that house on the lake uh, with Pacino looking out the window as he's you know 
ordering the murder of his brother. Uh, and, you know, obviously different dramatic implication. But honestly, the way Snyder approaches like visual kind of citation and influence and stuff, I could see it. I could see him being like, oh, yeah, this house kind of looks like the end of Godfather <laughs> yeah. 2. This is the end of the movie. It kind of has that same weight. Affleck's like the center of the movie, technically. Uh, you know, it makes sense. Uh, the other reference that people got really, that people got big <laughs> mad at was uh, Tarkovsky's Zarkalo, the mirror. Uh, we we see, uh, I guess, is it Aquaman's send off in the first chapter? Yeah. And yeah, then they, you get they, that they like Nordic like some, song some being song sung. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that part's not even Tarkovsky or whatever. It's just that push in on the lady's bun that yeah. looks like the mom and mirror. And it's like, yeah, if he likes Tarkovsky, he likes Tarkovsky and he likes, you know, slow camera movement and like kind of what's going on, like uh, time space stuff and good for him. Like, I don't I don't yeah. see what's wrong with that. I think that's kind of cool. That's neat. It looks cool. Like yeah, it, it was did... also a cool shot. Yeah, it looks that's all good. that matters. It looks cool. Good job. <laughs> I think this movie is good. It has a lot of issues, but like. Obviously, the the very concept of the Snyder Cut is such a great thing. Uh, like, I'm so happy he won. He beat the studios. Authorship won out. A director got to make a movie rather than a focus group. And, yeah, that that's a great thing for cinema. As a movie in itself. I haven't seen the Whedon Cut in full. Um, as a movie as itself, it's good. It's flawed. There's about 80 minutes where I have no clue what I'm looking at. <laughs> uh, and I, I I think that I like some other Snyder stuff for being more audacious in terms of just like camera movement, cutting. Like th- this is more audacious on a big picture scale. I think I like the moment to moment pleasures of something as uh, crazy as Sucker Punch uh, or even the big picture stuff of Watchmen compared to this. But I'm going to give it three bullets. What about you, JT? Um, I'm gonna agree with you there. I like when he is allowed to like he goes crazy mode and shoots off in different ways. And I appreciate the fact that he was able to make something that feels like as constructed as this. And this is like I don't want to say his like plea to the critics, but it's like what like what Josh was saying earlier, where it's like I I mean aside from the length. It's like I don't really know why Warner Brothers like opposed was opposed to this this much because it's like the most like palatable to a general audience I feel like his style has been and uh got to give it to him. We love love here at Extended Clip and there's so much love and unity that happens uh in Resurrection here that uh it's a it's a good one. 3 bullets. I'm going to give it two and a half bullets. I think I'm just a little less hot on it than you guys. And I feel like there's maybe it's like you said there were 80 minutes where you're like, what are you looking at? Maybe that's a hundred minutes for me. And it's like, that's, that's fucking a hundred minutes. Man. That's, that's a goddamn movie. 80 minutes is a goddamn movie. Yeah. And, and yeah for what you described, that's detour and two classic Chaplin two. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it is like, and I admire the length and, and you know, authorship wins. We love it. At the same time, it's really fucking long, and a lot of it is not <laughs> fun to watch. But, and I, I, you know what? I hesitate saying a lot. A lot is a, maybe a bridge too far. And even, and even like some of the scenes, I don't know. There's nothing like grown like when when I, uh, I don't know. The last Marvel movie I thought I I saw I think it was like Avengers: Age of Ultron, 
or whatever. And like, there's like easily that's the good one according to a uh, salad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, Dan's salad. <laughs> salad, salad's up on that. I remember that. I uh, think it's salad. <laughs> Oh, That's really? all I'm gonna, yeah. Salad sounds hard as fuck, though. I like salad better. <laughs> that makes it sound like a 50s B-movie director. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Salit. But um, I'm sure you're listening. But <laughs> no, but there are a few Salitists in our crowd. True. No, sure. I like I like, I, I reference him out of a like, like him of him. But uh, I, what I was going to say, it's like there's easily like 7 to 15 moments where I'm just like, ah, oh, God, fucking damn it. Why did that just happen? Where it's like some of the bads or just like that's really fucking annoying. Whereas like in like some of the bad stuff, quote unquote, in Justice League cut, it's just kind of like I, I just can't my mind doesn't register it. So it's like less uh I don't know. It's less negative in my mind. Yeah. Josh. But, oh, sorry. No. <laughs> no, but I was gonna say, like, yeah, it's like the big visual moments that that keep me interested and I don't know. I watching this, um, Makes me want to go back. I haven't seen Watchmen yet. I want to rewatch BVS. So I, I think I might have Snyder fever. Who knows? <laughs> Josh. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm. I think I'm a little hotter on it than than most of you guys. I don't know that I have a super cogent argument for why. It's mostly kind of like a feeling with the film. But I, because I, because I definitely wrestled. I was kind of stuck. You know, when I when I finished watching it, I think I was kind of like hanging around the three, like with you guys. But in in kind of talking about it and writing it, and you know, uh, going through some of the sequences again, and just kind of giving them, you know, as their own sort of like mini films almost. Um, I found it like really growing on me. I mean, obviously, just the fact that you know, uh, what is essentially an assembly cut, like, this uh, expansive and and large just exists at all is pretty incredible. But I also, you know, in remembering well enough the Whedon cut, I found this, like, way better paced even than its two-hour counterpart. And I found the stuff that Zach was able to include, um, you know, they that the... Again, there, there were scenes that had moments to breathe, even stuff that I think I, I wouldn't like normally, you know, things like, you know, some of the giant CG action sequences that, that take place. A combination of, you know, him being able to open up the frame so you get more of the space. Him being able to elongate it because, you know, he's not being told to shorten because by this minute you need to get to the next exposition sequence. You know, him just having you know, a sense of patience, even with some of the action sequences, for me, it just made them play stronger, even though there, you know, there are obviously um, flaws when it comes to all of these films, and that all of them on some level have to have some of that generic sort of brand management shuffling that they all do. Um, But Zach doing them, I bought into them more things I feel like you know, I would normally be annoyed about, uh, I found myself, you know, kind of drinking up in Zack Snyder's version of them. But maybe <laughs> I've just, you know, maybe, maybe that's where auteurism takes you. Maybe that's shit. Maybe, maybe yeah. I have to go and give the superhero, uh, <laughs> the, the superhero craze another shot. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, other, other than that, it was also, it's just an amazing artifact to see that something that was so garishly Frankensteined into something awful to come out the other side, you know, a, a movie that has some atmosphere to it, that has some attempts at emotional pathos, whether they work or not. 
Um, the whole experience was just kind of surreal uh, to watch. And I do think that we will probably never end up getting something like this again. I think Warner Brothers probably learned their lesson uh, to not trust, you know, the music video himbo uh, with the most <laughs> expensive IP that they own uh, and to let him make them shoot guns and kill each other and do whatever it is that his mind could come up with. Uh, but, you know... Uh, for, for me, I do think that this is a culmination of a lot of his interests, at least in the idea of superheroes as myth, and I got a lot out of it, and I could see myself honestly kind of going back to it and giving it a, another shot. So, Damn. There's only one question left after this movie. What's next for the Big Z? <laughs> what, what what can he do after this? Well, he's doing that zombie movie next. Yeah, oh, it's coming he? out like uh, pretty soon. Oh, Army oh of the I forgot dead. about that. Yeah. I'm Wait, very Josh, excited. did you give a bullet rating? Oh, yeah, sorry, four, four. Great. Other than Army of the Dead, I guess, I mean, whatever, we'll get to it. Um, that That's going to do it for Justice League. But, you know, I we didn't get any emails last week. And then the, the box got flooded because everyone knows we're talking about Snyder Cut. So, Josh, mm. uh, you down to stick around for the famous email segment? Absolutely. All right. Extended clip podcast at gmail.com is where you email us for the best segment of the week. <laughs> Because it's not a double feature, so we're not doing Malcolm in the Middle this week. Our first one, uh, question for the pod from Hayden Carr. Have you guys ever tried DMT? Warm wishes, Hayden, a.k.a. Frigid Mirth in the Discord. P.S. Watch Pat Labor 1 and 2. Um, well, I'll get I'll get on that. I'll watch those immediately. Um, Should I do it while I'm on DMT? Yeah, that might be the move. But uh, no, I've never done DMT. But, uh, you know, if, hey... You can't just talk like that if you don't have any to offer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all I got to say. JT? I haven't either, but you should send us some. Through the mail. Josh, through have you mail. ever broken on through to the other side? I haven't, but thanks for the question, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, next one. Uh, music vid directors. Hey, EC. Seeing as Snyder started out in music videos, any current music video directors you would want to see work in feature films? Excited for the inevitable Cole Bennett superhero movie? Imagine a Green Lantern where he uses the ring to make a bunch of CGI rap video thoughts. Or any recent music videos that you've seen that you think rock. Best, Eric. Well, that is a good question. I, I don't know many music video directors by name, though, so I guess I would only have the videos themselves as reference, other than, like, clear auteurs like Hype Williams, who made movies, obviously, or who made Belly, at least. But, Malcolm, uh, any music videos of late that you love? Well, you know, this is, not, this is not someone I'm actually particularly a fan of his music videos, but I remember Director X, his biggest mm -hmm. claim to fame being the Hotline Bling music video. He got to direct a Superfly remake in, like, 2018, and like the the future and Young Thug got to do the soundtrack, and it was you know it, was, it wasn't amazing, and it was like I don't know it was you know purely visual too you know it wasn't all of the classic tenets of uh you know, uh cinematic storytelling wasn't exactly there, but like I don't know it was just kind of like dumb and had like a visual uh, thing to it, so I, mm. I somewhat enjoyed it, and so yeah it's kind of like with current artists I feel like I mostly keep up with rap videos yeah, and the thing with rap videos it's like. Like pretty much everyone's just doing them them, them themselves. Like yeah. they're making their own videos nowadays, and it's like it's less and less is kind of like get a bunch of people in like some uh, studio room or like some like white or black backdrop and have them you know 
like rap that, at the camera, rap at the camera, have five cameras, cut it between them. You know, that, I mean, yeah. most most contemporary rap videos seem more. It's just like a, a vibe set by production design and what kind of camera you use, and then it's all in the edit, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. or guns. We like if you got yeah, something yeah obviously cool. the production design yeah, is like the the true. props as well. Or hey, they're not props; they're real. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, uh, you know, I think Crayshon directed the Lil B like a Martian video. <laughs> I like so that hey, one. maybe give Crayshon a feature. Little all right, cool Keith. I, I was listening to this cool Keith uh, interview where he was talking about why he liked Lil B. And I won't go too long on this, but like there, there was like a good thing. He was talking about his music videos. He's like, little B will shoot a music video anywhere. He was saying like, so true. he's like, he's like, there's just random like music videos where he's just in like a courtyard <laughs> plaza or like a country club or just like yeah. somewhere random. And it's, yeah, so I lo- I've always loved the immediacy of Little B's. Uh, I think Little B's videos. music videos actually do kind of work as like a uh, an ethnographic documentary of the Bay Area. <laughs> That's true too. Like it's kind of <laughs> just like hanging out at different spots. Have you seen uh, the the what, what's his indie rock song California yeah. Boy? Fuck, that video that. is so funny because it's just him hanging out at Berkeley with white kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very funny. Uh, yeah, give Little B a fucking feature film. Yeah. Uh, I think he's like one of the best music video artists working uh next one oh actually sorry josh any any music video hits for you do you know what i i I hardly watch them i would not have any uh uh strong opinion on them i don't even know any of them by name so i am no help on this question unfortunately (laughs) okay jt yeah i'm not a music video guy either particularly Cole, cole bennett will get to direct a feature film and that's gonna be funny um, I really want the person who directed the Alien Ant Farm cover oh, of Smooth Criminal music God. video. That's one of my favorite music videos. Of I've all time. I've revealed that to you. Damn. I yeah. think we've shared this before, yeah. but I'm on the verge of tears at the revelation that my friend Malcolm and I have the same favorite music video. <laughs> uh, because it really is one of the greatest videos of all time. <laughs> you know what? Who's another? Who's, you don't want to know another great um, music video director, fucking Fred Durst. That's Fred, so true. Fred Dur- Look at the My Way music video by uh, by Fred Durst and Limp Bizkit. I don't, I don't know. He's definitely he's he's messing with some ideas here. He's 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 a man with visuals on his head. Oh yeah, he 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 he, he did a better Joker movie than Joker with the Fanatic too. Fanatic rules. I yeah. love Fanatic. <laughs> Question for the pod from James McLaren. Hey guys, since you guys are talking about the Snyder Cut, what are your favorite films that have a very long runtime? Let's say. If- Around four hours long. <laughs> Although I know many prefer the testament of Dr. Mabusa, I found Dr. Mabusa and the Gambler to be monumentally thrilling for its entire runtime, and I'm definitely looking forward to watching Kenzie Mizuguchi's The 47 Ronin when I have the time. Ugh, same here, buddy. Thanks, James. I'm going to watch some, you know, normal length Mizuguchi before I get to that one. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we went on uh, Laura Jacobus's podcast a couple weeks ago to talk about Intolerance, and that's one of my favorite long movies ever, for sure. Yeah, I guess, you know, sticking with, like, the four hours qualifier, I was trying to think of movies I'd watched that were four hours and longer. And I think it's just Snyder Cut and La Belle Noiseus. Like, yeah, I don't... La Belle Noiseus is up there for sure. Uh, Heaven's Gate, yeah, almost. I think all the... Because, like, I think one, one thing about this podcast, it's like... Uh, Anytime we've done a long movie, I'm glad we've done it because it kind of, I don't know, I have this inherent fear, and I'm sure this a lot of people have this, just like four hours. That's a long time to sit through. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's I do kind of like, we're doing an episode on Heaven's Gate. I have to watch Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate is amazing. I'm glad I watched it. 
So yeah, that's my answer yeah. to the question. Yeah, I like. I mean, for long movies like that, I also like doing them in a theatrical setting because it's like Absolutely. if I can clear out a day, just spend it at the movies. That's great. And when there was the new restoration of it, I did it twice with one of my favorite long movies is War and Peace uh, by Sergei Bondarchuk, uh, who also like stars in this version of War and Peace. It's like, I don't know, there's so much action. Apparently, uh, in a similarly long, like, troubled production, I think they, like, released, like, a few... I mean, it was planned to be released this way, but um, they did, like, it... And I think, like, about four parts, like, shot over the course of, like, maybe, like, six years doing, like, part and a part. But, like, he had... He, like, acts in it as well, and he had, like, maybe... I think, like three heart attacks during the making of the <laughs> movie Christ. one where he was like uh legally dead and so uh another i've cra- been legally dead for <laughs> years man <laughs> <laughs> and another crazy part about it is because it's like soviet union in the 60s they're using like a lot of real life like artifacts that they had had um at from the time mm. they're also using the uh, resources of the entire Red Army to get like huge crowd and like war scenes. So it really like it's an epic length movie that pulls that off in the sense that the scale of it is grand mm-hmm. and uh, it it's a it breezes by for like seven hours. Also, I wanted to throw in Fred Wiseman, all his movies. Uh, I mean, not all of them are that long, but you know, watch Ex Libris, learn about libraries for four hours. One of the best movies, Josh. What are your favorite long-ass movies? I mean, the only thing I've seen that's over uh, four hours, or at least uh, on it, because I think the only actual film I've seen that's over four hours is, like, Showa, I guess. Uh, I'm not going to recommend mm. Showa on the pod. I mean, I will as, a, as, a, as an amazing uh, film, but, you know, it's not the most fun thing to uh, recommend to people to watch. Um, but we one that's like here, man. just under four hours that I really, really liked. I don't know if you guys got a chance to catch it. Uh, an elephant sitting still. I saw that in a theatrical setting at the Toronto film fest. And, uh, mm. I yeah, found, I didn't get to watch that one. I found that one very moving. Cause I had like four hours long. It's obviously, it's a very like uh, miserable film. And part of the reason that it's so well known is that the writer and director, you know, um, he, he killed himself before the film actually came out. And part of, that was um trying to maintain its length he was getting in a lot of fights with the people who were trying to put the film out and things like that and that was something that really hurt him and they eventually released the four-hour film and it it is it is a a a tough sit in that it's you know it's it's a lot of um you know sort of close up shallow focus tracking shots of these characters who are in a lot of suffering in their life so there's a lot of pain to sitting there and watching these characters wander around for four hours but after a while it does build to a sense of kind of compassion the unbearable sort of like length of it does sort of give way to this desire that the filmmaker Hubo clearly had that he wanted to spend more time with these characters that he really liked them he felt that showing them was important and he wanted to give them more time to you know maybe find something else or to at certain points in the film they actually run into each other you wanted them to make each other's lives a little bit better and you do get that through some of the duration so if you're interested in a film that i think really interestingly uses its length that was one um that i was lucky to see in a theater and it just blew me away all right um 
what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, the next one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next question. Next, yes. que- next question. <laughs> How about a four-hour movie about life? <laughs> Not about <laughs> killing yourself. No, just kidding. Um, R.I.P. <laughs> that's, why, that's why the Snyder Cut was so important, man. We've seen, you know. Oh, co- all right, all right. Uh, yeah, sorry. Next question <laughs> is from email MVP Valerie returns. Hey fellas, I don't know anything whatsoever about comic books. Hey, I'm right there with you. But what newspaper comic strip would you Ooh. like to see Zack Snyder adapt into a film? <laughs> Thanks, Valerie. Now this, so many, so much potential could be mined. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go right out the gate and say any of the. Uh, our Chrome comics. Oh, like that would be Mr. great. Mr. Natural, who's... Is I that know, shit in the newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> Not, it, was in, it was in some zines. Yeah. Was, he, he got in zines, so I'm going to say the newspaper. This is my way to shoehorn this in. But, like, I don't know if you know the character of Mitch, Mr. Natural. He's this horny little guy with, like, a big white beard who goes around, like, <laughs> sticking his head in, like, women's asses. And, like, there's one, I like, like uh, I think pretty famous... One where Mr. Natural like stuffs in a woman's head for this guy because he says like this is what the perfect woman is and it's just this headless woman walking around naked and uh, like real beefy muscular crumb style and I think it's like I don't know it would be an interesting intersection the crumb art style with the Snyder like mm. muscular fixation you know yeah. pivot pivoting off that you know Snyder he makes these movies. You know, about, I haven't seen, you know, 300, you know, people who are fighting a lot, you know, a lot of uh, buff men. But, you know, I want him to, I want a little, little, you know, mix up some of that representation and I want him to adapt the Farside comics because mm. every, every character famously in the Farside comics was really fat. And so it'd be just be cool to see some big, large people in Zack Snyder movies. <laughs> I was actually thinking along the same lines, but more of a prescriptive take. I was thinking Zack Snyder takes over Garfield, gets I him like in shape. That. Get rid of that, lasagna. Get rid of that lasagna. Trash. <laughs> positive, positive attitude, Garfield. I love Mondays. Mondays when I wake up and I do my routine. I, I lift up from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I love the hustle. He's just learning about action cinema and taking care of his body. That's the new version of Garfield by Zack Snyder. And John's alpha now, and, too. And he's brooding because he actually went through with it and mailed Odie to Iran. Oh, I was actually <laughs> going to say, no, there was going to be a slow... Well, actually, uh, that makes perfect sense. Because while Odie's in Iran uh, fighting in this you know, uh, alternate future where Donald Trump actually did declare war on Iran... Uh, <laughs> Odie's over there fighting in the war and you know Garfield Buff Garfield is brooding and then we have this flashback uh, set to an acoustic version of uh, what's a Leonard Cohen song that would like really piss off his fans to be used in an obscene way Uh, you you get back to me on that but uh, and then it's Garfield and Odie finally fucking and it's a flashback of them fucking like the (laughs) night before Odie went off to fight for freedom in Iran uh, for the new American democracy to add them as the 51st state 52nd after Vietnam I forgot about the events of Watchmen Uh, but I think that would be a really fun movie Um, I'd give it a watch I think maybe last year's man or something okay oh, yeah, yeah throw it throw in an especially sad version of that song. yeah yeah uh josh do you have any comic strips that you would like to see Zack snyder adapt 
Oh yeah, and, and and moving away from you know, you guys were kind of focusing on 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 the men and the fighting and stuff. For me, I would want to see you know Zack Snyder, noted fan of Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead. He's been trying to adapt <laughs> that true. for a yes. long time. So what what I would like to see is him apply that sensibility. Those the you know that that you know the guy sort of pushing against you know the the evil socialist system, and I would like to see him <laughs> apply that to the comic strip Dilbert. Office culture, Scott Adams. (laughs) One man rising above the bureaucracy and the political correctness of the workplace to individual excellence. It's like it's uh, Zack Snyder's falling down. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. That's perfect. We we get Adams on the screenplay, too, dude. That's that's going to be two true individualists. (laughs) Adams and Snyder. I thought you were were about to go Doonesbury over Dope up there. I would love to see his Doonesbury too. I just want a Doonesbury movie, period. I don't care who does it. I need it. That was definitely the one, like, because I, I only read newspaper comics when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, that was like, skip, easy, easy, skip, not reading fucking Doonesbury. I, wanted, I was ready to, like, understand it when I was an adult. Yeah. Is it just, like, just like uh, soldiers talking to each other? That's I what guess it, so. Yeah, yeah. Not my thing. <laughs> Not my thing either. Uh, the next email. God damn, we got a lot of emails. It's <laughs> the last one. Subject from Finnish fan uh, named Sad Asad. Sad as. Da- oh, it looks like they just. <laughs> sad Asad. It's just like ASD a bunch, but it looks like it says Sad Asad <laughs> at first. Uh, hi, boyos. How's it hanging? Love the show here in Finland. Movie culture pretty much sucks and is pretty much dead like the rest of Nordic countries. What are your favorite recent blockbusters? And also, what are your favorite comedies of the 80s? Oh, a letterboxed question. I was going to say, I should have screenshot this ahead of time and sent it to the guys. But but this question did come in quite hot. But honestly, my favorite recent blockbuster is fucking Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition. Yeah. like That's my favorite one since Watchmen. And then it's Watchmen, honestly. <laughs> like, I I mean, it depends on what you qualify as blockbuster, I guess. Uh, there's, there's some pretty high-budget films in my favorites of the last 10 years. I guess, you know, looking just at budget, The Irishman is pretty much a blockbuster movie. That is hundreds that's of millions true. of dollars. A lot of stars. Yeah. Star power. Hundreds of millions of dollars. That That's up there. What do you call it? I think, you know, this is not quite an endorsement, really, but I did... Um, there was at the time. There's a lot of people I trusted that said Venom was pretty enjoyable, and I went to go see it at a dollar theater, and I enjoyed like the first thirty minutes of it. But I think I just like fell asleep and missed yeah. the rest of it. But so yeah, I, I liked th- Alita: Battle Angel in terms of recent blockbusters. Nice, Josh. What about you? In terms of recent blockbusters? Oh man, I mean, I guess this isn't recent, but I kind of want to highlight it just because I I just rewatched it last night. But uh, for a big blockbuster, I really enjoyed Peter Jackson's King Kong. Uh, which I just popped Ooh. in the 4K disc of last night, and I was uh, I was quite pleased with uh, how uh, you know someone who likes Snyder, in my opinion, is also just a dude who you know he got started making like gore movies with his best buddies, and he has a sense of genre movie playfulness to him that uh, you know mixed in with sort of like the technological advances that Cameron and Spielberg were making and doing sort of his own Titanic Jurassic Park version of like a 30s adventure monster movie type thing. Uh, there was there was a lot to really like and talk about also another long fucking film The we watched the extended edition, which was like three hours and 20 minutes or something. Jesus. I actually have that movie on DVD. 
What's that? I've never watched it. I I have that movie on a DVD from Blockbuster that I think we were supposed to give back before it went out of business or whatever. Well, yeah, man. If if, if you if you want to see the guy who made Bad Taste and Brain Dead, uh, give a shot at doing the the real 1930s King Kong with like monsters eating people alive and stepping on their heads and crushing their skulls and stuff in a PG Blockbuster. Uh, it's it's very old fashioned and sentimental and and very gross. Nice. Um, second part of the question, in terms of 80s comedies, I mean, um, you go to you go to Hong Kong for some action comedies. You got stuff like Pedicab Driver or Wheels on Meals. Uh, but stateside, I don't know, um, the, the Albert Brooks movies that we talked about mm-hmm. a few weeks ago yeah. or a few months ago now. Uh, Modern Romance is my favorite of those. Um, what else would you say for 80s comedies? Hardly I- Working and Smorgasbord, the two Jerry Lewis movies are great. Kind of going outside of, like, the auteurist framework. Well, it's still a little bit, to be honest. But, like, kind of go, just going for, like, what you think of, you know, when you yeah. think of 80s comedy. Kind of, like, I really like My Tutor, which is, like, a, like a half erotic, half, uh, like, comedy movie about, like, the 17-year-old having sex with his tutor. Nice. Um, I like Skin Deep, which is, like, this late Blake Edwards effort where it's... Uh, we got you know cast favorite John Ritter. I really do like John Ritter a lot in movies. <laughs> yeah. I like I, I, I think he's a good actor. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, skin deep. It, it's just about a shallow author who you know he's womanizes too much and he just learns to not do that. And uh, raising Arizona, give the Coen Brothers credit where it's due. It's a very funny movie. Absolutely, Lover Boy. We reviewed on here. I like that a lot. Yeah, Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Paul Mazursky, kind of just like a goof. It's not a great movie to be honest, but it just has like <laughs> kind of like this goofy posture to it. You yeah, know, you have a uh, Nick Nolte, Richard Dreyfus, Little Richard, all. Um, you know, scrambling around suburban Los Angeles. So, you know, that, that was entertaining to me. Yeah, in terms of, like, the bigger 80s comedies, I mean, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, it's hard to beat that movie, in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. But that is, I guess, an auteurist one, yeah. uh, if you respect I recently it. did uh, <laughs> uh, Moonstruck for the first time, which I thought was awesome. Oh, that's a oh, great one. Yeah. It, has a, it has, like, more of a, like a, a, a sort of subtly darker sense of humor to it than I, I thought it would have going into it. And, you know, there's just a lot of attack and American excellence all over the screen on that one so <laughs> yeah uh Hollywood shuffle is a great oh, yeah. satire of Hollywood's treatment of black actors I- and creatives in general uh at the time you know uh, a true auteur effort from Robert Townsend is the star writer director I think he co-write it with Keenan Ivory Wayans but uh mm-hmm. it's it's such an incredible film it's <laughs> it's half narrative half sketch comedy uh and yeah it's a it's one of the best like most scathing critiques uh of the industry at the time and also just a fucking hilarious movie well i wouldn't like necessarily classify them as like straight up comedies demi's like 80 out 80s output married to the mob is married to the mob something wild uh uh, melvin and howard like all those fucking rule um uh, some other like odds and ends uh eating raul i like you know what I like a lot is uh, Easy Money. I was about to mention that. Yeah. Fucking Rodney mode, dude. Rodney and Joe Pesci, a, a buddy movie between them just getting high and cracking wise and yeah. getting by, really. <laughs> it's just so funny. And it's just like Rodney's got to give up on getting high and booze and gambling all the time. And it's it's hard to get by. <laughs> that would be fucking hard. And um, I, I also I like that movie like much more than Back to School. I've watched Back to School mm-hmm. like a couple times because I love Rodney and I love... 
Um, you know, it's the movies. best. Yeah, but it's so like I I wanted to I wanted to enjoy it way more than I do, and for some reason I just find Easy Money like uh, leagues ahead of that movie for some reason. Also, I guess O.C. and Stiggs, um, Altman's kind of uh, two suburban uh, boys running wild satire comedy. I'm yeah. I'm a big fan of him in that mode because <clears throat> of course I like a. Uh, knows classic stuff but something like dr t and the woman and oc and stiggs that just has like i don't know there's a certain quality to those movies that's like that they seem that they could be easily misinterpreted and i like that about them Mm -hmm. another 80s comedy i'll shout out is the last american version i feel like i may have talked about this movie in some capacity it's a really nasty kind of reprehensible sex comedy that's a remake of the director's comedy that he made in israel called lemon popsicle (laughs) but uh yeah this is what the last american virgin it's you know it's a classic it's like I've seen a couple of these. I've actually more. I haven't seen a lot of like the meat of the bones of these ones. I've seen more of like the the odds and ends. Like I saw Modern Girls, which is almost like an inverse of one of these, and uh, this one is just like a strange one because it's a remake. <clears throat> but you know, kids are struggling with sex. They want to get laid. Uh, <laughs> they also want to measure each other's penises in a very strange set piece. One of mm-hmm. the strangest ever. Um, but there's also a repeated needle drop and I love a good like repeated needle drop throughout a movie and in this it's just once by James Ingram uh, the, the especially the lyric interrupting a scene uh, you know I did my best but I guess my best wasn't good enough <laughs> just the way that that film floats in and out of its soundtrack I think really embodies uh, the comfort of a lot of 80s studio movies and even independent movies that were like just crowd pleasers meant to invoke that studio feeling like a lot of those you know 80s sex comedies were ishtar too ishtar is one of the funniest movies ever came out in the 80s um yeah that's that uh too many that was that was such a fucking long episode let's get out of here (laughs) josh thank you so much for coming on and talking snyder cut that was awesome uh what we all know about the sleazoids but what do you got to plug otherwise or just that more no, I mean, you know, you guys, I mean, well, we can plug our episode, Eddie. Eddie, by the time you guys are listening to this, it won't be up yet. But by sometime in the coming week, like Friday, Saturday-ish, we're going to have a, an Eddie an Eddie episode of Sleezoids coming up where we're going to be talking about Targets from 1968 and Hi Mom, uh, Brian De Palma, 1970. We're going to have a lot of fun uh, well, I mean, we already did. We already recorded this. I don't know how to. Record <laughs> I was gonna say, come on, you don't have to. You don't. Have to. I'm, I'm sitting right here. <laughs> I know. Yes. I, for one, am very excited to listen to it. But yeah, yeah I thought it was too. a pretty I mean, good episode. I thought, I, I, thought, I thought Eddie Eddie sounded good on it. You know, he's got a nice voice, oh, and nice. if you want to hear more of it <laughs> on our show. If you like Eddie's voice, it's going to be on another show coming right. very soon. Yeah. Uh, I think even before then, though, we're going to beat you to the punch. You're going to hear from us next. I think just like tomorrow probably is the Patreon episode I'll drop. Uh, Love on a Diet, the Johnny Toe movie. Uh, One of the craziest movies, a beautiful (laughs) fat suit rom-com. And then our main feed up this week coming on Friday will be with our good friend Marshlands, Eric Marsh, the filmmaker uh, and just general knower of cinema. (laughs) will be coming on to talk about Car Wash and Jason, Portrait of Serial Killer. Henry, Henry, (laughs) (laughs) Portrait of Jason and Henry, Portrait of Serial Killer. Uh, Good movies to get mixed up. Uh, Anyway, Car Wash. 
and Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. That is an interesting pairing. I can't. I can't wait. I can't wait <laughs> either. All these podcasts coming up. I can't. I can't, I can't fucking wait. wait. I can't wait. I need them now. <laughs> Me too. Okay, Josh. Uh, good night, buddy. That was so fun. Thanks. Finally here, Snyder Cut Kateers, man. I'm Kevin Smith, and after all the years of speculation and feverish anticipation, it is my sincere pleasure to welcome each and every one of you to the digital red carpet premiere of Zack Snyder's Justice League, man. All the hype and pizzazz of a major Hollywood premiere with none of the associated limo fees, unless you decided to stream this from inside of a limo, in which case, well played. As you can see, we're broadcasting right here from a spare bedroom in my house.